This is Flint, and you're listening to G.I. Joe Chronicles. The Lombok's Crusade presents G.I. Joe Chronicles. Don't they realize they're dealing with Destro? When I choose Gus Bucket, they're going to scrape you off the walls with a squeegee. Welcome to G.I. Joe Chronicles. I am one of your commanders, Pat Sampson, codame DJ Cristados, and joining me as always is my battle buddy in this operation, Jared Albrecht, codame the probe. Pat, it's a prescription for danger. Well, hello, Pat. I just wanted to come on before I started anything today and just remind everyone that I am the world's biggest fan of Serpentor. With that mm. out of the way, I want to welcome all the green shirts that are tuning in for this podcast. Welcome back to Fort Longbox. We appreciate you tuning in and talk some G.I. Joe comics with us as we chronicle our way through G.I. Joe special missions by Marvel on this episode. Next episode, we will return to our coverage of G.I. Joe America's Elite. But for this episode, we are back in special missions, 1986. And... We have a special ops guest for the show. This episode, our special ops guest is Matt Posso returns. Codename Serpy Matt. Welcome back, Matt. Thanks for having me again, guys. It's good to be back. Totally let me get away with that biggest Serpentor fan thing. That's that's, <laughs> that's because I'm such I a this. magnanimous leader. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You look good in the big gold hood, by the way. Is that heavy or, you know, when you move it around, can you really see much of anything? When you're looking you, through the, the the mask, you can. You'd be amazed how strong your neck muscles get. Yeah, do and the fans get in the way at all? Not so much. You kind of learn to look around them eventually. Mm, okay. At first, I was bumping into a lot of stuff though. Oh, yeah. Dude has never had a sunburned neck ever. True. Oh yeah, that that's helpful. That's definitely helpful. It helps. Yeah. It really does. It does. Well, Matt, with your return here to Fort Longbox, you get the fancy follow-up question. It's the three vehicles, correct? You got it. You got it right. Look, at he's listened to enough episodes to know it is the three vehicles. What are your favorite three vehicles, be they Joe or Cobra? And you know what? Before you even list them, before you even list them, I'm going to give you a freebie so you can do three in addition to Serpentor's Chariot. We all know that's going to be in your number one spot. It came with the figure... Oh, I still remember buying that brand new. I, I, can, I can remember. I know. I, I bought it brand new, too. Ah, I, so cool. I have never been so happy to be broke in my life. I remember going to Walmart, and this is how cheap toys were back in the day. I don't remember if it was on clearance or not, but I had $5 in my pocket. I brought it up to the counter. The lady entered it with tax. It was $5. I was like, I've got $5. Ah, yeah. And I had yeah. no money. And looking back, my mom and the cashier just kind of looked at each other like, yeah, it's so awesome being broke. And I'm like, yes, but I have Sir Pentor now. Yeah. <laughs> that was the coolest, man. I was at a, at a PX in Germany. Anyways, Serpy Matt, we'll give you the chariot. What are your top three vehicles after that? After that, I would definitely have to say the Cobra Stun. I absolutely love it. I wanted it as a kid, but I never had it. Bought one last year, replacing stuff. Number two. Two 
is I'm having to look over at my vehicles and see. I would say number two, it's classic. I love the original vamp. Ah, vamp. Yeah. It's just good choice. Something to be said about the simplicity of a Jeep with a huge cannon on the back. You can't go wrong there. Mm -hmm. And then for the third, all right, I like Serpentor. I like Xandar. You know, I like the weird stuff. My third favorite vehicle is probably the Swamp Smasher. I think I remember the Swamp Green Smasher. Green with the the purple three wheels on yes. it. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a big purple cannon on it. Yep. It kind of reminds me of a He-Man vehicle. It's almost like a oh, yeah, track yeah, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I am a sucker for the smaller Joe vehicles mm. all day long. But I am with you. Absolutely love it. So those are my three, not counting the air chariot. Right. Those are good, unique choices, man. I like that. Like it a lot. And with that, DJ Cristados, let's get to talking about this comic, man. What's the intelligence report look like? Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. For this mission, we will be covering G.I. Joe Special Missions number one. Publisher was Marvel. Cover date was October 1986. The writer, the man himself, Larry Alma. Penciler, Herb Trimpey. Oh, Herb Trimpey coming back. Inker, Herb Trimpey coming back again to ink himself. Colorist is Bob Sharon. Letterer goes to Phil Felix. Cover art goes to Mike Zek and John Beatty. That makes it Jared A. Baby, 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 zack, 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 baby, baby, zack, baby, baby, zack, baby, baby, zack, zack, baby, baby, zack, 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 baby, baby, zack, zack, baby, 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 zack, 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 baby. Oh man, I'm so excited about that. Oh yes, zack covers are something to get excited over. Oh, absolutely. You know, I make frequent appearances on Aaron Headmoss's Real American Headcast. Every time I'm on there, I remind everybody if if, if you're like, I oh, what what's what's a good GI Joe comic to read if it's got a Zek baby cover on it. It's a good issue. It's like Definitely. the sweet spot of G.I. Joe. This is Zek, all Zek is amazing anywhere though, like the Craven's Last Hunt covers. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mwah, mwah. Zek and Baby are back, baby. Ooh, it's not even my section. You got back. more to say. I just got so excited. I'm sorry, that I do, but you know what? I, I know your love for Zek and Beatty, and, and I love the Zek and Beatty. Ten. You know? Oh, dang it. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, 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 whoa. We get, let's get to the, you know, don't jump ahead. Don't jump ahead. Let's go ahead. Before you even give the 10 away, at least describe what the cover is, Jared. Go ahead and give us a cover description on this one. Take cover! I'm so excited. So here's your cover description. 10 to 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, and 10. Baby Zach. For reals this time. Here we have the standard 80s G.I. Joe logo, and it's smaller across the top, making room for the larger block letters, white with black highlights, special missions. Duke stands in the yellow corner box that reminds us that it's Marvel's 25th anniversary. The main action is a Scuba Joe's treat from Zek and Beatty. It's a wetsuit and torpedo, and they dangle on ropes from the edge of a tanker ship, firing their submachine guns as they are obviously taking fire as well. One cover blurb makes sure we know that this is a first issue in a new series. Another explosive blurb states the missions we couldn't talk about until now. 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. Baby Jingle, jingle. <laughs> so 
after that awesome cover description, what do you guys think of this cover? We'll go ahead and go to our guest, Serpent Matt. I know there's no Serpentor on it. Oh, wait, of course there's no Serpentor, but there's also no Serpentor on it. <laughs> he still didn't get it right. <laughs> he yeah, said so Serpentor twice. That was the plan. It's, it's got a lot of green, though. There's a lot of green yeah. involved. There is. What do you think of it, Matt? I really like this cover. Normally, I get annoyed with everything relaunching with a number one. Here's a new number one. Here's a new number one. But this is kind of earned. You get mm-hmm. nice, self-contained stories involving characters that may or may not have anything going on in the main line. That's a great reason to start a new series. You've got wetsuit and torpedo coming down over the side, just going into action like you expect the Joes to do. I love it. The action's there. It gets you ready to want to know, what are they jumping over? Who's going at them? What's happening here? Definitely agree with you. You know, when I was young at this time in 1986, knowing that the comic that I was a subscriber to all the way back in the early early 30s of it, but I was picking it up at the grocery store and then I became a subscriber to it, finding out, holy cow, they're making a second series? They've gone 50 issues and now they're making a second series? I can get Joe twice a month? Oh man, am I so excited for this. And just grabbing this, everybody's excited when you're on that level, of the ground level of, Something exciting that's happening right now. Oh, so awesome to be a part of this, to just grab it and and see it. The cover is iconic for me, you know, a kid that, again, I'm gushing, I'm gushing, so much gushing on this thing that I, I, I love it. Later on, you know, through meeting with Jared, would I ever thought that meeting with Jared that he knows John Beatty and then I'm able to be with John Beatty, the guy who, like, what? You're drawing, you draw G.I. Joe? I love that as a kid. And I, oh, man, and get to know John and it's just, ah, oh. and Mike Zach get to meet them both and just, you know, it's a 10. Like Jared said, I can't, you know, it's a 10. <laughs> oh, man, I, it just so I much just happiness. Saw, I think we saw a 12-year-old Pat just then. <laughs> Jared, you know, go go ahead and do, say something. Uh, all right. I'm going to try to be practical guy. I'm, I'm clearly gushing over this as well. Let's just talk about this cover. You know, what, what do I think of it? You know, it's super energy, super energy. Actually, yes. right. It's, I love how it's kind of reminiscent of GI Joe number 21 silent issue. A with bit, guys dangling with a submachine gun. We have dangling of submachine gun. I like how it focuses on characters, Matt mentioned this, that don't maybe always get limelight. You know, we've got wetsuit torpedo. Those are good Joes, right? And they go together well, but some serious limelight. And this is just no corners cut, man. There's no corners cut. Look at the water flowing off the fin as it's coming out of the water of wetsuit. You could have told me three, four, six, eight. Let's go back eight years, pretend we're not even podcasting. Right. And I just bump into you on the street and you go, what do you remember about G.I. Joe Specialist cover number one? I'd be like, well, it's wetsuit, torpedo, dangling from ropes, shooting machine guns. The tubing around wetsuit's neck is just really well done artistically. Like I can remember the tubing of the hose mm. and how well it's drawn and inked by Beatty, drawn by Mike Zek. Beatty puts the perfect ink on it. Yes. Uh, the, the ship, 
they're able to show so much size and scale of the ship by look how much of the cover it takes up and it really gives a nice color contrast and oh by the way this the shape of the ship almost makes an arrow pointing from left to right which shows motion like going somewhere and then let's also talk about these dangling ropes which dangle behind the word missions but in front of the word special yeah, and gi joe creating awesome. a very cool 2.5d effect energy everywhere you look on this cover i know we gush about it especially me and pat because this is like we picked up in our childhoods like it's a huge part for us and then of course my friendship with john makes it more special but it's just artistically awesome we get showcasing i mean i could go on and on it's just artistically great I, i'm trying to separate the nostalgia from it which I, is impossible but just artistically yeah. it wastes no space i kind of agree with you there I do love the size of the ship. It's great. If you're not paying attention until you stop and take in the whole cover, it just looks like, oh, cool. They did a red background. Yeah. And then you look a little closer. You're like, well, what? Okay. Wait, there's what? There's, oh, there's a railing. Oh, okay. Oh, big tanker. <laughs> let me, let me, oh, yeah. yeah. One of my favorite things about great covers, that's a great point, Matt, is the cover that keeps giving. The more you look, like I said, that tubing, I remember the tubing for me. I'm like, look how cool that tubing's done. And then like you see the shell casings and you see the water coming off the fin. It's like, it just keeps giving the more you look at it. Just the expression on his face. Oh yeah. That command. You know, it's like, ah. yeah. yeah, the, the expression Damn. on Torpedo's face is crazy. It could be anything you want it to be. He'd be exactly. terrified. He's like, I hope we make it out alive. He guys his voice. <laughs> I wonder how oh, many like right. surface like kids who just sort of surface level new GI Joe saw that and thought for sure it was Snake Eyes. Oh, I'm sure at least one or two people were just like I, Snake Eyes. Wrong, kid. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Oh, I think we're all very excited. Now, I, I didn't. I wasn't clear with Matt. Now, Matt, I know you recently acquired this issue. Yes. Uh, in preparation for the show, did you acquire it as a kid? Was this a, a spinner rack purchase for you back no, in the day? It was, like it was. It us? was not. I did not buy a ton of G.I. Joe comics growing up. I would grab one or two, but the town where I grew up, there were no comic shops. Literally, uh, comics Russia. were purchased at convenience stores or at the magazine rack in a grocery store. I still love those. Oh, they were still, I, love, I, I, I do were too, still around. but you could never count on consistency to find something. Mm, that's a good point. That's so good if point. I saw something, I was like, oh, that's cool. There's a G.I. Joe comic, and I don't recall what my first issue is, but I I think I had maybe one or two special missions, but I didn't have this one. I know the ones I did have, though. Okay, very so. cool. I, I think that's fascinating. I wanted to clear that up because Pat and I are clearly gushing from an incredible nostalgia point oh, of view sure. that Matt doesn't have, but he's still seen the wonderful art, which makes us makes me feel better that we're not completely tinted glasses. Oh, yeah, you, you, you're not just in the nostalgia. It's a good cover. It's yeah. great this, art. This one is definitely a comic that I remember not picking up at the convenience store, at the local PDQ a convenience store. This one, I actually rode my bike a little farther, probably a couple miles, two to five miles away to the mall to where the Walden Books. So I actually got this at the Walden Books when I picked it up. All right. Since we're telling our origin stories, I can guarantee you that my brother and I walked up to the shop at, if you live on a military base, especially a big one like Fort Hood, where we lived at the time, each major housing neighborhood 
would have its own shop at, which convenience store. It's a convenience okay. store. It's just on a military base. And they had spinner racks. But the only slight advantage to the convenience store, like Matt was talking about, was military dudes, army dudes love comics. So it wasn't spotty. They made sure it was stocked and it was it was turned over at, mm. at the proper times and the new issues were brought in. They did a wow. good job of that. Like we weren't missing nice. issues because soldiers, much like Hall and Oates, can't go for that. No can do. That was, I definitely remember that living in Fort Hood and picking them up. Welcome to this episode of Nostalgia Talk. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Well, with that nostalgia out of the way, let's go ahead and find out what we're going to rate this cover on a scale of the one to 10 flag points. One meaning you didn't like it at all, and 10 meaning it is perfect, and you should be making a recruiting poster out of it for the Navy or Armed Forces, you know? What would you do for this? And do I really need to ask this? Let's go ahead and find out. Serpy Matt, where are you on a scale of 1 to 10 on this? So now here's the thing. You guys are in love with this cover. I get that. All right. I do like this cover, but there are future thank covers you, and you. special missions that I put above this one. Okay. So with that, I will still say this cover is definitely a nine. If I All were right. at 9.5, it would get a 9.5, but it's going to get a nine. You can't do that. We won't go for that. As Jared said, we won't go for that. No, can't do. No, oh, can't no. do. That is fine. It's good to see somebody else's thought you know, that me was down the road and, and picked it up. So I do appreciate that. One thing I will say, initially, when I was making my notes, I given it an eight. But hearing you guys delve into the details of it kind of forced me to, like, pick the issue up and look closer. And I didn't really notice all the tubing before and all that. That yeah. is a lot of detail put in there. So if it weren't for future covers, but I'm going to give this one a nine. Okay. Jared, are you at a nine or are you are you all in? Did you just jump in into the water with us on this one? Here's the thing, Pat. I want to give it a 10. So I'm going to. What am I, crazy? <laughs> it's a 10. 10 to 10, 10, 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, nine 10. 10, 11. We can just give it a 12. Uh, let's give it a 12. I, yeah. <laughs> no, you know, I, I loved this cover at a 10 before I ever met John Beatty. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so what else am I going to do? A good buddy of mine, an underappreciated uh, artist. Yeah, of course. Ten. I'm with you as well, too. And, you know, it, it is the nostalgia eyes looking at it as a ten. But I did really enjoy this and the excitement that it brought me as a kid going, hey, my favorite series, they're bringing another one out. Oh, how could you not? So with that, all tens around, two cool guys at the ten. I'll be on Nine Island wishing that Torpedo was colored like his toy. <laughs> That's fine. No bump about it. You definitely, uh, I can understand that point that you're coming from. Definitely. With the cover out of the way, let's go to Death Probe for the story synopsis in the mission brief. Here we go. The Joes are in a real pickle. Deep Six, Cutter, Shipwreck, Torpedo, and Wetsuit are in Baltic waters, undercover, 
seemingly attempting a rescue mission for an American submarine that has run aground underwater. And they are attacked from both sides, Cobra on one side, October Guard on the other. Luckily for the Joes, the Cobras and October Guardsmen are too interested in battling each other to realize that there was never really a submarine to rescue to begin with. It was all a ruse to allow the October Guard's Russian naval captain an opportunity to defect. And with an aerial extraction by Hawk and Wild Bill, the mission is a complete success. Now, back to G.I. Joe. And now, it is time for our highs and lows of the issue. We will start with round one, and we will start with Matt. You know, overall, this is a really fun issue. You get it all here. You get the Joes. You get the Cobras. You get the October Guard. You get all the access of G.I. Joe. This issue is like the long box crusade of G.I. Joe. So, all I mean, the access. All the access. You get that. All the fronts. That's that's one thing that really stuck out to me. We've had Joe versus Cobra. We've had Joe and October Guard. You get a nice little triangle of all the forces vying for the MacGuffin. Then the Baroness is trying to strike a deal. So nicely done triangle storytelling. Really oh, like it. I totally agree. Yeah. When rereading this, you know, I hadn't read it in years. I kind of vaguely remembered the plot, but I, when rereading this, the first thing that leapt out of me was like, oh, oh man, it's the October Guard. We got trouble. Oh, 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 we got Cobra. That, whoo, it's a lot going on. Whenever, when I was younger, when I would see October Guard, I'd be like, who are these guys? There's not Cobra. I don't care. And now I'm like, oh, there's, there's so many stories out there that mm-hmm. I can enjoy on a different level once you look beyond just Joe Cobra. Yeah, I mean, this could be our longest episode ever if you let me talk about everything I want to talk about. <laughs> but I always love the October Guard because one of my sort of entries into G.I. Joe, my brother and I bought the comics when they, they came out. But at some point, I think it was my grandmother bought me some of the digests. And so that's how I was like, really like reading and rereading. Really, like that was the format I was reading, rereading. And they show up early in the digest runs. And I always thought, mm-hmm. oh, these guys are cool. But the biggest crime that Hasbro ever committed was no figures, like no figures until the 90s. And I yeah. think that's kind of where you're coming from, Matt, is like that's, they were underused in the cartoon. They were underused in the figure line. And they're they're great. Yeah. Looking back and going back and rereading now, I'm like, these are good characters. These are great stories. Yes. I, I need those figures. <laughs> yes. They're not on my shelves. I have <laughs> some of them. Matt, what you got round one? For round one, I'm just going to say this is Hunt for Red October before Hunt for Red October was out, right? Hunt for Red October came out in 1990. This is 1986. And it took me a while, like you, Jared, it's been a while since I've read this issue to go, oh, I think I knew what the plot was a little bit, but I couldn't totally remember. They had me fooled a little bit of going, oh, there's a sub somewhere. Two things. The book came out in 84. Oh, the book came out in 84. Okay. <laughs> but more so, and I learned this because not only do I have it in a fancy hardbound collection from Omaha mm-hmm. Bound, but I also have my regular Joes are in those, um, what are they called? Complete edition. IDW yep. did some nice hardcovers. Yep. This is in that. And it comes with the extra background stuff. So check this out, Pat. This is actually based on a true thing that happened. The, I think the Russians had a sub that ran aground off of Sweden, somewhere in the Scandinavian okay. waters. So this was very timely. This is something that had actually happened. And it in became sort of an international thing trying to oh, save these folks. Okay. So I dig your Hunt for Red October comparison. And there might have been mm-hmm. some influence because that book was, people knew about it. Like, and it could have been. He was a famous I, writer. I was going 80s. by the movie. Your instincts are good. Plus that 
real life thing that happened. It's very much added in into this. I'm sorry, just to the no. while you were talking. So proceed. No, definitely. I appreciate it because if I'm wrong, I'd rather somebody tell me that I'm wrong and looking at it differently. But oh, yeah, you're not wrong. The, the movie. movie came out in 1990. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I was just like, yeah. I wonder when the book came out. Like, did this come out before? But so apparently the book had been out for about two years when this was written. Okay. But that I think sense. it's more based off that that news story, that real news story. Okay, definitely. And that's what's nice about this is that you have a smaller group of Joes, smaller group of Cobras, and you have the October Guard, which basically is a smaller group. They don't have a bigger group whenever they come around. It's always, you know, the main October Guard people compared to where the Joes, you have a bigger roster of characters that you can, you know, pull from. So when the October Guard comes into play, like Matt was saying, it's like, oh, this is interesting. I, I really want to dig into more of this. You know, we see them in the earlier issues of G.I. Joe, and then you see them show up again in the yearbooks, you know. So this is a special group that when they show up, they mean business. You know, something big's going on uh-huh. that you got to get the October Guard involved in. Love it, love it, love it. What's your thoughts, Jared? Oh, man, like I said, we go all night. All right, let me just clear the decks. I think G.I. Joe Special Missions, I enjoy better than the regular stories, continuity of G.I. Joe. It's bold words, I know. Mm-hmm. But I want you to think about it, too, from this lens. Two lenses, if you will. One lens. This is Larry writing without having to introduce new characters and vehicles. Exactly. This is Larry writing as Larry wants to do it, not as Hasbro is guiding him to do it. So you can tell, you can tell he's having more fun. And then... On top of that, Marvel makes this brilliant decision. Who's his penciler? Herb Trimpey's back, right? So you get that like little mini nostalgia hit of you get this new yeah. book and it's Hammer and Trimpey, right? And it, it kind of makes you remember that 1982 book. But you got to remember too, think about the 1982 book. It's Hammer and, and it's Trimpey and it's good, right? But let's be honest. Hammer and Trimpey, your creative guys, did great stories back then, but they, they're still figuring out the pieces and the and where how people work and the personalities on it. And let's be honest, Joe doesn't really start rolling with a good solid storyline until eight or nine, somewhere in there. Somewhere you kind of got like you had the, the original one, you had the robot in the pit, and then you had little this and that. And then they really yeah. started going, going, going. So here what they did they started is started building the world, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, here it's like, hey, guess what? The world's already built. Start a new book, less rules, same creative team that you love. So you're going to get that nostalgia hit. Nobody draws the October Guard, that colonel with his sneering face like Trimpy does. Mm-hmm. So you get all that nostalgia feel from, what, four years earlier? But all the rules are here. We know who the players are. We know how they act. And it's just fantastic. So that's my round one. What was the point? I don't know. I just think it was a lot of perfect storm. Yeah, and then the great thing about that is you don't have to have read the last twenty something issues. Yeah, exactly. this is the character I like. Oh, he's in a story. This is a story about this guy. This is a story about this group. That goes a long way to be able to just drop in, pick up a book, read it, and enjoy it, and get you hooked for more of the line. That's a good observation you have, Matt, because you're coming in at it later, as we found out. Me and Jared are coming in at it has already been seasoned Joe veterans that are enjoying the original series to see your take on that like that is, Oh, I can, I can pull you into this world. Then 
you can also go back to the original series and go, whoa, there's a lot here that's going on. And Matt also used an interesting phrase. Oh, here's your favorite character. Or I don't know anybody who has G.I. Joe characters they outright hate. Maybe you guys do, but I, I can't think of any. On the flip side of that is like, here's characters that like you're not so familiar with, but now all of a sudden you feel closer to them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I always liked wetsuit. Sure. You know, I like Torpedo. But to see them kind of be forefront. And the funny part is, as you reread this years later, yeah, I, because you see the cover, you think Torpedo and wetsuit are forefront. It's really a lot more of the October Guard fighting with Cobra, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And it's more like Deep Six. Yeah, Deep Six doing crap yeah. Deep Six things. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, but uh, we'll spin up forever. Matt, hit us with your round two. So my round two is a quicker one. One of the highs of this issue for me was Firefly having the best battle cry I think I have read in any comic ever. For personal survival and the promise of riches. <laughs> As he's bearing a shield's cobra and he's just like, whatever, give me mine. Keep me safe. So, sort of like Han Solo in the very first Star Wars movie. They, you know, as long as I get paid, you know. <laughs> yeah, and that 100% encapsulates Firefly. Give me my money. I'm not getting hurt, but someone else is. 100%. 100%. You know, Firefly is my favorite villain. So, yes. That's an excellent catch. I think I was so excited to reread it. I didn't pay attention enough to how in character that was. That is an excellent note. It's probably been a couple of years since I've read any of like the 80s Joe comics. So I took my time and I got to that line. I just like I reread that line two or three times. And I was just like, that's beautiful. I love it. Pat, what do you got? Man, it's just a really good compact story done in the amount of pages that they had. It wasn't an oversized story, which you would thought maybe with an issue number one, it might have been a little bit longer, but I don't think it was. There was definitely a lot going on. And you had, you know, the triangle, the triangle of G.I. Joe, the October Guard, and now you bring a Cobra and you, you let that triangle happen. And here's what you come out with. And man, just, I really loved this one. I can't, I can't. You know, I, I I love how you like you love it so much. You're like I this I I what do I say? I just love yeah, it. Yeah, it, it is. It's I like, love what it. What do I say that that let hasn't me, been? Let me done. help you out, Pat. Let me help you out. You merited on that. I'm going to give you a couple things to think about. First of all, you mentioned it's not an exercise book, and I also want to pile onto that that originally it was an every other month book. It did that for about I can't remember. Yeah, eight, okay. Nine issues before it went monthly. So you can really tell that this is them going. Okay, Larry, can you really handle? An extra load, you know, no double size first issue and every other month. I think he's really kind of proving that, yeah, he can he, he can, can churn this. Larry's is notably traditionally challenging to work with as an artist. So I'm sure, you know, Herb understood him. He has to have the right artist to go at the speed he needs to go. And let's be honest, that's tough to find an artist that can work fast and draw all those characters and vehicles. Look at the mm-hmm. vehicles in this. There is a lot of vehicles. And. You know what? One of the other things that I will bring up, you bring up a good thing that jogged my memory is the shark. As a kid, man, who didn't want the shark? You, you, you could be an underwater vehicle if you really are desperate. It could be a space vehicle kind of a little bit, but it was a cool vehicle to have. Bath and time. Yeah, it's yeah, a bath, a good time, bath time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're sitting in the tub. What are you going to do? Or you even go out to the pool. 
wherever you are. You can bring your toy with you in the pool and place, you know, you just imagine nation goes wild with this. It's just fun. Just fun issue. I'm going to wrap it up by the other big theme that I get from this is it's so 80s. in like the best of ways, like it's Russian defection, right? And it's yeah. based on a real event out in the sea. And it's Joe's being crafty and there never was a submarine, you know, and it's just it feels like the plot of, I don't know, an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie from the time or, right, or, yeah. or something like that. Like, it's so very 80s. It, it's it's full of action and adventure. And we're not we're not going to examine any deeper issues or anything. Well, the, the guy who defected did because he just went on and on and on. <laughs> yeah, that part got a little bit drawn. Just, I was like, OK, dude, how are they, how are they hearing you say this? <laughs> like, you can't even hear from that. This is absolutely yeah. works because. I didn't see that twist coming. Oh. Okay. I'd forgotten it until I reread I didn't this. See the way that, to me, that I could tell that it was a good twist is I didn't feel, like, cheated when it okay. happened. I felt like, okay, Joe pulled one over on them. And it wasn't like, it pulled it over on me a little bit as the reader. Same. But I felt like it was delivered in a way, and then his reasons behind it, it felt valid and real okay yes. did you go and connect the dots then back to where they kind of did start to show uh, you mm -hmm. a few things mm -hmm. at least two things where they kind of you know what he said at one time and then the other dots that kind of follows along to go oh yeah on a second read you see like oh wait a minute hmm something's coming uh-huh they're a lot more interested in closed TV transmission lines than you probably would be otherwise. Like, oh, I get it now. It's all it's trickery, man. It's trickery. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So, yeah, I just I love the 80s-ness of it. It feels like an 80s movie that you would watch. And, you know, or you just check your brain at the door and it has a cool little plot twist. You're like, oh, that was, that was fun, you know, and that, you know, that's it. And yeah, I, sometimes I that's all you need for a great story. Absolutely. All right, we've We've gushed and we've burned with passion on this one. Uh, anything else you need to talk about around this issue? I know it's hugely nostalgic for us, uh, a little more objective <laughs> from, from Matt. Any other thoughts we need to clear the decks on? The only other thought that I had really like pulled aside was I love how Larry sprinkles in like historical pieces throughout, like the little sidebar about the Battle of Potemkin and everything. And it's just like, you look back and you go, did I hear about that? I should look that up. I should know about this. I, yeah. I need to read a little more on that. You don't expect it in a comic book to learn history, but Larry does it in a way that it's not heavy handed. Yes. And it's and great. It, like you said, it makes you want to kind of go look this up. I'm like, yeah, I want to know a little bit more about this. The stars just aligned when they decided to toss this quote-unquote scrub project because larry will tell anybody listen if you got a toy book back then whatever but the stars align that this vietnam veteran and student of history and martial arts gets this book and it just he's the perfect guy to write it right yeah it's just yeah you couldn't script it so good but it happened with that let's hand it back to dj cristados for the ig's report on the combat readiness of this scored 10 issue Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll get Ooh, <laughs> Oh, 
And for those of you who don't speak military or understand the code that Jared just said, that means we're going to score this issue story on a 1 to 10 flag point scale we used earlier for the cover. So, Serpent Matt, what will you be scoring this issue? I gave the cover a 9, and I really like this issue, so I'm going to give it a 3. What? No. No, this is this is easily a 10. <laughs> All right. Ooh, easily yeah. a 10. Yo, One of my favorite things in comics is when you can hand me a nice, self-constained, single-issue story. Mm-hmm. That tells me that you can give me an awesome, complete, nice, concise story and not miss any beats. This did that. That's what I want. 10 all day long. Definitely appreciate that and agree with you on that. I am also going to give this a 10. I'm going to jump ahead of Jared here. I'm going to give it a 10, not only just because of the nostalgic feel, but rereading this again, they deliver on this one. This is an issue that delivers. And Matt Matt said it. It's a one and done kind of a story, but it delivers. And they really deliver on what they said in the blast point on the cover is this mission we couldn't talk about until now. The hype that they have on the cover, definitely they pulled it off within this issue. This is an issue that what you see on the cover, they don't actually happen in the comic. But it's okay because, as they mentioned, they didn't even have to shoot any bullets or anything like that. They let the other teams do it. And that's smarter, you know. And knowing is half the battle. And they just won it right there. Yeah, I will say that's the one thing I love about the series. That blurb like you just mentioned on the cover. The missions we couldn't talk about until now. It doesn't even need to be in the same continuity any longer. Yeah. It doesn't. They can go back to an early LLRP mission with Storm Shadow and yes. Stalker and Snake Eyes. They can jump ahead in the future if they want to. They can put them anywhere. The continuity of the main line doesn't matter. They can write exactly. what they want. You got the characters there and you can just tell some more intriguing stories. I would love to see this as a weekly show or something like that man if they could just do that as a weekly animated or even live action show that you're going on special missions like this i would love to see this maybe that's kind of why i like this more than some of the ongoing is because in your cartoons you do have like monster of the week enemy of the week type things and you get that Mm -hmm. self-contained story this felt like that, but like on a serious as opposed to a cartoony version. Correct. Yeah. Jarrett, where are you on a scale of one to ten flag points? Ten. Yo, and I will not elaborate. You do not have to unless you want to. With that, Jarrett is going with the traditional Marvel. Enough said. And with that, we will go into our next segment where we will figure out our award for the Silver Star Medal or the Silver Snakeytude in this one. That means we will award the character in this issue who went above and beyond the call of duty or went below and went sneaky snakeytude in this one. But let's find out, Matt, who is your Silver Star 
or do you have a silver snake? A sneaky snake. A silver sneaky snake for Baroness. Ooh. She was in control of the show. She was running the Cobra branch of things. And, you know, she may not have been the hero, but when we looked at the Cobra side, how sneaky were they? Work with us against the Joes. All right. Just stab them in the back when you get over there. (laughs) 100% Cobra. And it was perfect. Baroness was spot on for this issue for me. That's why I've got to give it to her. Not a bad take at all. I will give you that. Garrett, what's your sneaky snake or silver star? I'm going to give a silver hammer and sickle to uh, first ever to uh, Colonel Brekov. Yes. He's like, I don't like that. Blow it up. I don't like that over there. Blow it up. Covers are <laughs> infiltrating me. Blow them up. Like, you know, Colonel Brekov's nonstop, man. He He's a soldier's soldier. And I love the fact, again, I mentioned this is very 80s. I love the fact he's flying around. He has an actual binder full of like yeah. G.I. Joe. He's got on his <laughs> lap in his helicopter and he's flipping around looking to see which Joe's it is. And, and oh, by the way, fun side note, high school, I worked at the Army Aviation Museum at Fort Rucker. We actually had a Russian high end helicopter for the museum, which is really cool. And it wasn't on display. Like you had to like be part of the museum staff to go see it. Like, you know, it was very cool. And I got to climb That's into cool. it. There's no room for that. I'm going to tell you right now, they have the, the smallest pilots on the planet to fly that thing. Because I, I know I'm a big guy now. I was really skinny back then. Really skinny. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't no room for skinny Jared in there either. It is a tight fit. But I still cracked me up. They had this big binder and he's like, oh, <laughs> you know, maybe the October Guard would have came out ahead, but he was probably missing like issue three of the order of battle. That's, that's what it was. He's he like, ah! All the, the dossiers. Oh, we didn't have them all. But I also have to figure, like I said, from the from my helicopter experience, Colonel Breckoff probably be about five foot two. That's what I'm thinking. But he gets my silver hammer and sickle, Pat. Yeah, it's a good one to have, you know, for that particular one, I believe. I can see you were kind of rushing to get to that joke. I see there, but... that you were rushing to use the word Russian in your <laughs> I was <laughs> I'm gonna give it to the Joes. I mean, it's the obvious one in this issue that the Joes had one over not only on the October Guard, but they also had it over on Cobra, using them just to offset everything that they were going on and put October Guard against the Cobra team that came involved in it. They got all played like suckers, and Destro's the one that figured it out. Destro's like, you all got played like suckers. You better stop what you're doing. But he came too late is what happened. Giving your silver star to the Joes. That's how yes. you're going to do this? It's a really oh, big I... silver star. It usually goes to an individual. You know, just... Oh, well, I'm giving it to all the Joes. Well, you know, <laughs> I have to give it to the Joes. Whoever planned it out on the Joe team. I think it was Hawk. He flew in with Wild Bill at the end. Picked him up. They each get a point <laughs> of the silver star and they yeah. come together like Voltron. Uh, yeah. Listen, you know, it oh, was, it, what, the, the cool thing was that it was all the, and they mentioned it in it. It was all the water support aqua team uh-huh. that came together on this one. And, you know, even Shipwreck's in there and he's making, hey, you guys don't want food? What's going on? Here? So you're giving a silver starfish. Yes, silver starfish. You know what I'm doing. I know. I'm watching you, Pat. I'm mm-hmm. not going to put up with this on future episodes. I'm giving the silver star to the Joes. <laughs> I'm giving the silver star to the Joes. I'll let you have it this one time. Okay. You're on notice. That's your Joe November territory. Um, well, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I, I got to give it to the Joe team on this one for, you know, 
for the fake out. With that, let's go ahead and go into Jared's segment called Death Probes Toy Chest. It's here, the G.I. Joe collection, each sold separately. G.I. Joe from Hasbro. Thank you, Pat. In this segment, I'm going to take something or someone featured in this issue and give you a brief toy history on it. For this issue, I've selected Joes. Picked all the Joes. I'm just kidding. I know the rules. I picked Colonel Brekov. I'm picking all the October Guard here. All the October Guard for the toy chest. <laughs> I'm picking Colonel Brekov. Colonel Brekov is the leader of the October Guard. He is a commando. His full name is Ivan Nikolovich Brekov. He is from Odessa, Ukraine. His specialties include command and strategy and infantry. Here's the real crime, folks. He first appeared in Series 15 in 1998. Like 14 years late on that. I don't know. That was during the Toys R Us re-release stuff. Yes. Which is how I got him, by the way. That's how I got him. Anyway. That's got back into Joe's. Yes. Same. You and me, same. When I saw those re-releases, I was like, I'm going to start buying these again. Uh, He came in a three-pack that included Lieutenant Gorky and Volga. And this is where things get a little weird. The packaging for the October Guard three-pack confusingly accidentally mislabeled Colonel Brekov as Lieutenant Gorky and vice versa. For years, collectors thought one was the other, but it was just a packaging label error. So anyways, Colonel Brekov came with a black AK-103, a black backpack. The antenna is removable. A black hat, a black knife, a black chain gun with two removable barrels, a black belt of ammo that connects the chain gun and the backpack, and a black battle stand. One of my favorite things about him is on his file card at the very bottom, there's some information that says from Hawk's files, where it basically tells you about these characters from Hawk's point of view. And he says, and I quote, he has no great love for Americans, but he hates Cobra even more. And I love that because it's very Colonel Brekov. Like, yeah, very yeah. Colonel Brekov. Like, my, what, my favorite image of him is when he's back to back with Stalker on like, yes, and what is that issue? issue? Uh, seven? I was going to say seven, eight, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. I love that cover. That is so good. Oh, you know, yeah. Just yeah, that's an iconic one. Not only is it iconic just from art wise, but just you know being a kid in the eighties. Oh, the Russians are the bad guys. What is so bad that they're teamed up with the Russians? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things where yeah, it was it's very interesting and very intriguing. Another crime, ladies and gentlemen, is at this point of this recording of the podcast, which is September of twenty twenty three. There are only three versions of Colonel Brekov. I guess that's not too bad. It just Wish they'd gotten one a lot earlier, but eh, what are you going to do? So Colonel Brekov from the relaunch line. Well, it's the first appearance of Colonel Brekov, 1998, Series 15. I did scoop him up. I do have that little trio of figures. Pat. Do I? No, Jared, I do not, unfortunately. But I want to go back to what you said is, why did it take so long? And this is just my idea of it is... Earlier on, we were talking about, you know, issue seven. Was that the issue with the back and back of Stalker and Colonel Brekov in that issue? Hasbro was controlling this. They didn't know what they had with Larry Hama in control and the characters that were going to be a, come about on this one. So was this a missed opportunity on the Hasbro part? Definitely. Because you had the love building up at issue seven. Then the, later on in the years, that finally, you know, over 10 years later, they finally make a figure for this guy for the whole, you know, in the October Guard as well, too, is just a 
a total missed opportunity to see what Larry did with this series to make additional characters available in action figures. That makes me kind of wonder. It's like, because we know Hasbro designed the figures and then Larry wrote everything. Did he just create the October Guard and then Hasbro eventually was just when like... Did that, yeah, when did that switch? Yeah. I think you're onto something. Because that was always my theory, too, was like, Hasbro gave him stuff and then he brought in his own characters. So now, you know, does, does Hasbro have to pay Larry figure design fee royalties and all this? Because mm-hmm. I also want to point out, same time frame, Quinn. And we don't get a Quinn figure until... Exactly. It was like 25th anniversary or something like that. It was... It was in the 2000s. It was a while. So mm-hmm, that kind of makes me wonder if they had to work out some legal stuff because Larry technically created it, but he was on the clock for Marvel, but who was on the clock for Hasbro. You know how that stuff goes. Yeah. We're guessing folks out there. We're, we're not sure, but it makes sense. Yeah, that- All right. Um, Matt, did you have him or October Guard figures? Do I them? do not. I think I had them at one point. But there's been a couple times where I've sold or traded big chunks of the collection and then I bring it back and then we do this and I bring it back. He or none of the October Guard are in my collection right now. They're on my short list to remedy. Good. Good. Yeah, I still think back to that issue. I think it was the stalker issue. And there was a really cool like double page spread of them in this big vehicle and they're all fighting and like, I don't think they ever even made that vehicle. Missed opportunities. All right, folks. If you have the October Guard or have love for them, you know, maybe let us know about that. We'll have a hand over to Pat. And we're going to talk about people who support the show. Next up is our feedback segment called Combat Comms. Call it G.I. Joe. Go get Breaker. He can do it. As always, we'll start off Combat Comms with a roster of our Battle Hardened Crusader Club veterans. These are the fine folks that have joined our Crusaders Club. They enjoy early access to special long box crusade video episodes, free raffle giveaways, voting on show programming, and so much more. These are the fine folks reaping the benefits and enjoying some much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Alburn Elvis. Bill Beer. Blast it. Or you can stash it. Braxton Underwood. Captain Entropy. Clinton Robeson. Dave Collins. Battle Wagon. Ezra Gallo. Gary Viola. Gene Hendricks. Gerald Green. Jason Keane. Jason Lady. Jeremy L. Jim. German, Jim, German, Jim, German, Jim, German. I hope you like to German too. Jim Mill. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. That's slacker. Candace Ward. Kathy Bright, the MVP. Mark Ross, a.k.a. Club Trent. Matt and Lizzie Paso. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents. Rob Captain Morgan. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey67. Spreadsheet. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Tony Pennington. And Toronto Cop. If we missed anyone in our list, we do apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you are a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you 
by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. So you might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? Well, it's very simple. Just head on over to patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. And I'm talking all the access. So make sure you come and check it out. It's a good deal. We couldn't ask for anything more. Serpy Matt says it's good. It's a good deal. I mean, technically, you guys give all the access. So you you really couldn't ask for more because it's all given. Correct. I guess I never thought about it that way. Wow. That's a good way of looking at it. You get all the access. It's given to you right away. You don't have to ask more. It is right there for you the minute you unlock it. One buck and you're in. I mean, come on. Perfect. As a reminder, you can call and leave us a voicemail at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. Doc, I'm red. Pick up the phone. <laughs> Pick up the phone. I sound more like Arnold Schwarzenegger. That will bring us to Mission Complete status for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles. If you'd like to hear more from us in the realm of comic books, action films, vintage TV, movies, serials, and more, check out the entire Longbox Crusade Network. DJ Christados, where do they find it? Well, Jared, I am glad you asked. You can find the Longbox Crusade out there in this world wide web everywhere. Pretty much on any podcatcher out there, you name it. You can just search for Longbox Crusade. And you will find it. If you don't, you know what? Send an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it all squared away for you. Or just go to www.longboxcrusade.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, all at Longbox Crusade. Back to you, Jared. If you'd like to chat with us online, we can be found at Back to You Pat. Jared, I'm glad you asked. I can be found at Christatos01 at the Twitter. Back to you, Jared. I am encouraged that you queried. I am at Yard Sale Artist. I can be found at X, formerly known as Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can find my artwares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. Where can they find you, Matt? You can find me on pretty much any social media place that has been made or has yet to be made or will be made in the future under the name Serpy Matt because I always try to get my stuff out there. I take toy pictures. I will talk wrestling with you, horror movies, comics, cartoons, video games. You name it, there will probably be some kind of pop culture talk going on with it. I forgot about your toy pictures. They're so cool. I love those, by the way. Thank I you. Love Definitely. I like seeing those. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles. We will see you on the battlefield next episode where we will return to our coverage of the 2026 Devil's Do series, G.I. Joe, America's Elite. This one's called Peeling the Onion. Until then, Platoon, fall out. Yo, 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 Joe. Joe. The music themes for this show are done by musical genius Joe November. Please check out his SoundCloud at Joseflin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. It was all a ruse, Pat. I was not even here to hear the word ruse. Mother, I wrote it for him. 
whatever, I'll continue. He's going to ruse the day. I appreciate it. I am going to give this a, wait, where am I? I was going to give it a 10 again. I, I, love it so it, I don't know. I'm going to give it seven stars. Ten. It's yeah. so good. It gets 10 one more time. <laughs> so it's like four Lama and Zuckus of G.I. Joe. Absolutely. I don't get the reference, but. Star Wars. Oh, four, four Lama. Now I get it. Four Lama. You said it a little too fast for me. Four Lama and yes. Zuckus. Yes. You said four uh, Lama and Zuckus. And I was like. I was confused too. Rock me Amadeus. Yeah, exactly. Rock, rock, rock me Amadeus. <laughs> Uh, now I get it. All right. Awesome. Thanks for the clarification. Guys, I'm sorry I'm late. I was on a on a special mission. So I, I didn't make it into this one. What'd you guys talk about? Uh or we talked about G.I. Joe special mission number one. Yeah, I was I was on a special mission run. That's right. What what did you guys talk about? I feel like we're talking in circles, man. <laughs> I was on a special mission and, and you were talking about my special mission? I think so, man. Yeah. Oh. Did what you get you the doing? sassafras? Oh, I got so much sassafras. Man, yard sale artist gave me $6.2 million with sassafras. I don't know where to keep it. I don't know. Your brother's sub. Oh, yes. Yeah, he'll, probably, he'll, hook me up. he'll hook me up. That's good thinking. That's good thinking. What I what I miss, Pat? What'd you guys talk about in your special mission? Oh man, we talked about the October Guard and you know yeah. how much October Guard is just you know their cool version of the GI Joe team. What do you, what do you think about it? What what does you you and your brothers think about? Uh, I heard Jester talk about October Guard, and I'm just like, who's who's guarding the other eleven months of the year? Whoa, whoa. yeah. Oh man, catch you next episode. Is there just a winter guard? Oh, 